0: Welcome to episode 353 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jay Hilton, and joining me is a man that I won't be selling for 80 million euros. It's Rafa Aldamui. How's it going, Rafa? Hey,
1: glad to be here once again. Woo! Jesus. I I have a feeling that this will be like the theme of the 2022 summer for FC Barcelona. This won't be the first... (laughs) The first time we'll be here talking about something quote unquote crazy happening in the transfer window, but but I'm doing well. Uh, that's what you asked me, so I'm doing well.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to be. It's a lot of what is reality? Is reality as sad and dire and awful as we think it is, as far as selling players go? I'm not just talking about who those players might be, but selling players, or is what are the possibilities? What is the potential, right? Like, there is definitely somewhere between needing to sell Frank and Young for only financial reasons and buying Erland Holland, which Man City did. But before that, we do have to, before, yeah, before we're not going to do Holland again, but instead of doing anything in sky blue, we'll talk about Celta first. Now Celta, that match took place over two days ago. So only really a few quick notes here. And I think one of the longstanding things from that game is, I can't tie into the Frank and Young thing a little bit, is that without Pedri in the midfield, With just Gabi and Frank and Young in that double pivot in a 4-4-2, they had no control whatsoever. And it was a really, really weird match. That Celta match, I I mean, and we're talking about the 60 minutes prior to the first 60 minutes, rather. So prior to Jason Murillo getting the red card, and then obviously with Gabi and Ronda Rajo smacking heads, we'll get to that in a second. I just thought it was kind of weird, where very much like Real Betis and Levante, these are teams that want to play. So you got this feeling that both teams were trying to play, but for Celta, you know, kind of being in the middle of the table, you know, other than the, the Talisman Iago auspice, he had uh, moments here and there. They weren't really doing anything too crazy. You know, Brace Mendez, he took a few too many touches on one or two occasions, and they probably could have scored a goal, but they weren't really putting too much pressure on Barca in the same way. Barca in no way were controlling the match, but because they had four forwards, they were kind of you know, making things happen occasionally before the first goal, 30 minutes in. And then once that happened, it was this thing, you know, this weird thing where, hey, isn't Javi Guaylan, the guy that Barcelona is supposed to be looking at? Isn't he one of the, the prime candidates, you know, not take over, but to back up Alba? And then we watch what Dembele can do to him and Demolay. You know, it's an odd thing that next season, Gailan might be the Barca player and Demolay would be not the Barca, right? And so it's just a little bit of funky moments, but what was your perception of that match? And you can give it to me, anything, either the goals, because Barca scored three of them and Dembélé was good and Aubameyang on target, Memphis on target, Farron Torres deserved to come out of halftime. And then we also got a Ricky Pooh sighting, And that was, again, all before the injury. So <laughs> g- give me what you got in the first 60 minutes.
1: I'll try to be like to the point. First of all, I thought it was interesting, to say the least, that Xavi preferred to change formation instead of what maybe you would have thought would be the easy thing to do, just put in Ricky Pucci, Nico's out, Pedri's out, Boozy's out. So don't mess with things and just put Ricky Pucci in. I mean, we're already qualified for the Champions League. We're not winning the title. I know we're fighting for the second place. But at the end of the day, like if you are not going to put in Ricky Pucci in this game, then you will never, ever going to put him in because it just didn't make any sense. He tweaked with the formation, three at the back, four in the middle. Then, like, people were questioning, like, is Ferran going to play as an interior? Is it going to be Memphis? It didn't work, whatever he did. And then it clearly showed because Barca had no control whatsoever. Nobody knew what the hell they were doing in that formation and with those players on top of that. So it was, like, it made sense for Xavi to go back to a a back back four. And then that's when things I think – Calm down a little bit, if uh, we're being honest. But yeah, I didn't like that. Shabby, like it just goes to show, like Jesus, like this is a quote unquote meaningless game, and we're like trying to like do the what we call it in Spanish, like the manager is trying to like think seven steps ahead and just like dude, play it simple, just keep it simple, um, and then Dembélé, it, it just goes to show how frustrating he is. For the good and the bad, because his we all know he's really fast, he can go by people as he showed in that goal. What we question about Dembele is his end product. And against Celta, both of his assists were perfect, they, were, they weren't too complicated. He just needed to put the ball simply in the path of uh, Memphis for the first goal. And the second goal, I thought I, was that was it Obama Young? I forgot. Who he is in
0: and Torres or Bummyang, but exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah the, that cross. But at the end of the day, that's what you kind of want from uh Dembele consistently speaking, that just for the play that requires a simple pass, do that. And sometimes it may sound weird, but Dembele doesn't do the simple thing that you think he should do or execute the pass a simple pass. Like I'm not even talking about intricate passes and whatnot, just simple passes, the the perfect amount of force wait for the pass, And he did that. That's why Dembele is so frustrating because he has so much raw potential still. And you're like, will he ever put it together to be consistently good in all aspects of being a winger for Barcelona? I don't have the answer to that. He may not even be a Barcelona player next time I'm on this podcast. So, who the hell knows? But apart from that, I'm glad to the thing is before Ansu came in, the only thing I'm looking forward to during these last few games is to watch Ansu Fadi. I'll be totally honest. I just want to watch Ansu okay. see that he's okay. well, he doesn't have so that he doesn't have any, any setbacks, get him back in rhythm and whatnot. But right before Ansu came in, the Ronaldo thing happened, and that completely damped my mood. And I wasn't able to enjoy Ansu as much as I wanted to. I'm like, just get to the 60th minute. I want to see Ansu.
0: Well, let, um, let, let me just let me just go on the Dembele point real quick before yeah. we move on to Ansu and Araujo and everything. Dembele leads the Liga in assists with 13, and one in front of Kareem Benzema. But he has played more than 1,200 less minutes than Benzema. Right, Dembele has played 1379, meaning 1,379 minutes, 20 matches played. 13 assists Benzema with 12 assists has played 31 matches. So 11 more. And he's played 2,500 minutes, right? Like you're right. Demele has a job and it's to assist his teammates scoring goals. And he's done exactly what he's been asked for. And on the point of Ansu as well, that was kind of what, again, I'm looking for, but also I don't know how much to look for as well, because we're still seeing Ansu without Pedri, which I always go with the stat here. And it's not changed because the second Ansu came back, Pedri was still out. So they have still played less than 15, 15 total matches together in almost three years of time. 15 matches total. Pedri and Ansu have been on the field together. So I I continue to say, we don't know. And then the Ansu Dembele thing, you get a little bit of a taste when Barca is up by a man. So A, that throws off the spacing just a little bit. But as you had said too, the whole match was was dampened by Araujo and I mean, the ambulance on the field. I can't think of a time when I had seen the ambulancia on the field at the camp. No, I, like I can't think of the last time. Certainly, I, I mean, I know there's images in the mid '90s. I don't remember who it was exactly, and I think there was an ambulance came on the field. I think it was for Bern Schuster back in the '80s as well, or he tackled somebody, or it definitely was Atletico clu- Athletic Club related, not Atletico, but Atletico I think that maybe the,
1: the Copa del Rey final when they broke Maradona's. They injured Maradona. At yeah, I don't think program. there
0: was. I think they I think he even tried to keep playing and they just dragged his body off the field. I don't remember, I don't remember that. <laughs> that. But anyway, so OK, so but back to the Arajo point. Yeah, I, I think you and Barcelona, are the two that always get the rant. You're the two that always seem to be on the show. I, I actually look back at this. Who always get the concussion and head thing rant. And the Arajo situation was obviously terrifying because he was fully unconscious. He winds up trying to go back to defend takes like 20 steps and then collapses in that weird way, fully unconscious. Yago Aspas. That is, as they say, a real one. That is a legend, not only of Celta De Vigo, a legend of uh, the club. And I think for Barcelona fans, he and Eric Garcia quick to the scene, got a on their side. You know, you just, you don't mess with that kind of stuff. I, I've worked with CPR stuff before. Like it's just, it's serious. Like you get them on their side, you do the right thing and then get, get the medical professionals out as fast as possible to me, I was more like not even furious. Like I was, I was afraid and I was frustrated by the, the Raho stuff and people saying that. Like for me, obviously, I even if he's ready to go on Sunday, I don't care. Like I think he should be shut down for the year. Uh, there's only there's only three matches left, right? Like just like there's and I've gone over this before. Like the he's going to have trouble with. Like I still have trouble with sleeping. From the, the few concussions I've had, like sleeping will be an issue, looking at screens, tons of other things, driving, like there's so many different things that like the long-term effects of concussions can have on you. Even like the hockey players, I mean, the hockey players are always a great example. I worked in hockey for a long time and Sidney Crosby, one of the best examples, like one of, maybe the greatest or one of the greatest, at least, at least on, on a stick skill wise to ever do it. But he's had those concussion injuries, uh, concussion issues on and off for more than a decade, right? And so for him to be 22 years old, it's just going to keep following him. And so you just want to take as much time, take all the time he needs, get himself right. Now, the Gabi thing, though, Gabby should have also just come off the field. And it wasn't because I just desperately wanted to see Honda Oriana, or I don't want really to see Alvaro Sans. Like, no offense to Alvaro Sans, but I got it. It made sense to me. When he went under Kuman and then Barca B, like, I get it. But I wanted to see Oriana make his debut before he probably leaves Barca in the offseason. But it wasn't even that. It was that even though Xavi didn't have a midfielder, like, it was Gabi's turn to come off the field when he took that hit. Like, there's no way. Like, there's no way that Ronda Rajo, you know, it's not even, it's a head thing, so it depends on, like, the angles. But there's no way that they class heads like that and the impact did that to Araujo and, Sha- and Gabi does not have some ill effects. This is like, what, the third or fourth time that you've heard me yell about the Gabi thing. He just, he should have come off. Like, I know it put Bars at a disadvantage and match could have ended 3-3 if Gabi was on the field, but I don't know. Like, I just think Xavi and the officials got it wrong. Like, there was, I didn't see barely any concussion protocol whatsoever. So, like, yeah, we have to trust them and medical professionals. Sadly, I don't just know, man.
1: generally speaking, in, in football in general, the concussion protocols are either... Like horrible or non-existent. Like I, like obviously not to like get too into this topic, but like Taylor Tulomin has been an advocate. Yeah, for since he re- retired for obvious reasons, and, and he's been a real critic every time something like this happens. He's very critic of it because it's just sadly it's it's a worldwide problem in football. Concussions aren't taken as seriously as they should, and yeah. Gabi and Araujo aren't the first. It should be the last, but sadly, they won't.
0: There should Players be, a, we see there should be that, a medical emergency. Yeah. There should be a medical emergency head injury substitute. Like that should yeah. exist. Like there should be uh-huh. a caveat. Like it should barely be reviews. And for those who would abuse it, like it's that's the whole point. Like you don't yeah, have yeah. those kind of things. We can't have nice things when people abuse it. But I mean- clubs a I, I think for a player that's getting a head injury like that like the choice to take them off right as a medical emergency like usually those are the players you want on the field but the guys that are playing at that level that hard that takes those injuries like you always think it's it's usually it's center backs right it's usually huh. like i always think of the italian guys like Cialini, panucci like how many always, times
1: have we've seen Cialini with the head yeah yeah around, <laughs> just yeah. wrapped
0: around his head like <laughs> so and those guys you're going to keep them on the field like you want them on the field so if they pass the con- pra- 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 concussion protocol you keep them on the field but yeah i think there should be like a sixth I mean, I know now we have six subs and you're missing out a team, but you're not. Like you're not getting a medical emergency head injury sub more than what? I mean, for if, if this year it would have been for Gabi three of the four times, but right? That's what you're talking about. You're talking yeah. five times a year, you know, just to be careful. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade? I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol, or PK and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season, you hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is a global force behind All Birds, Rothy's, and Linen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash tbpod.
2: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: But I, I agree with you. Araujo, I don't think he should be anywhere near the squad. Like we only need one point in the next two games to secure the second spot. And secure our uh, playing in the Super Cup uh, next year. So if we can't earn one freaking point in the next two games, then we just don't deserve to finish second. So it's just I I and especially especially next game where God knows how Xavi is gonna feel the competitive eleven with all the injuries, suspensions, and whatnot. It just doesn't make any sense to throw out through the wolves. Yeah. Just play lay. And then I don't know, even play Umtiti. It is. What I dumped them off. Yeah, it's going for the ride. <laughs> yeah, How- Clockhouse or Orange or whatever that movie was called. Just, just end this crazy season. But I wouldn't do. I wouldn't put Araujo like anywhere near the squad. Just let him heal. Think of next season. So
0: I agree. Yeah, I think we're gonna see Danny Alves at the back alongside Umtiti and Langley, and then I think Oscar Mangatha. We saw him play a little bit of left back. And then he went back over to the left, the right side. But we have seen him play left back in the past. Xavi did it to him once before, so I think we're going to see Mangetha on the left. And then you'll see Lengley, and Titi in some combination, and then Alves because just, the Barca B team is fighting for promotion. And I don't think Xavi's. This is not the moment for Miko Marmol. The Xavi's going to throw him into that. And then in front of that, yeah, Busquets is going to be back, and that means Gabi's going to have to play again. And I, I mean, I think then that Xavi does start Ricky Pouche, or he'll do the same thing again. And just trust that Busquets, hey, may, he might may do a better job in a double pivot than Frank and Young does. And maybe he'll try the experiment again with Ferran Torres and Dembele and Aubameyang in Memphis. And that experiment, not to say the front four didn't work well, but the reason it didn't work well, and it did. I mean, it, it, but it also did because they won 3-1. So it's like as much as you say the experiment didn't work well, like they, they scored goals. And the, 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 the issue is that they scored goals because of Dembele and he had just 13 touches and completed only five passes before he set up the first goal 30 minutes in. So he wasn't getting service. He wasn't touching the ball. But then the moment he did, because of the spacing between Torres and Aubameyang in Memphis, with, with three different runners going at the south de Vigo goal, and Celta does not have, even though they've enhanced their defense this year, that's why they weren't fighting relegation. It's still a, an average run of the mill, the league of defense. So it's not like a superior top five defense in the league. And so with him running at them with that space, opened up a the forwards, as long as they got in the final third, it was going to be an opportunity. And so Celta may have outshot Barcelona, but they put the ball in the back of the net. I don't have much left on Celta other than a quick little fun thing about our Aspas, And that is that he scores 43.9% of his team's goals. And unfortunately, that goal was not really part of his majesty. It's not going to go into his Hall of Fame. It was a terrible, horrible mistake by Ter Stegen. And then obviously, like, and that's what Ter Stegen seems to be, right? It's it's a lot like my puppy. It's two steps forward, one step back. He does really well outside using the bathroom. And then then he poops in the house, you know, but not Ter Stegen. I mean, the puppy, who's also a sheep. So it's kind of
1: crazy because Ter Stegen had an incredible save during the first half. And if Chacho Kule, like Santos' coach, said it in the press conference after the game, like I left. He left. With. Exactly, yeah. like that. If that goes in, that just changes the whole complexity of the game. But it didn't because he made an incredible save, and then he makes that blunder, and it's like it's. Hey, hey, I know i a big critic of Eddie Garcia, and I still kind of am, but he had a really good game. I just want to throw it out there because I know some people that I don't want to be labeled as like the Eddie Garcia hater. But then he had a really bad error, but I know taking that aside, I that's the thing. If Eddie can try and somehow like cancel those quote unquote big specific errors here and there, because for example, he had a really good game that it could have been overshadowed by that one mistake. If it ends up going in the back of the net, it didn't, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, he had a really good game. It's just that. Like, Hopefully, again, I would love to be like wrong about Eric in the in the the long term. And if he, I think, if he manages, I don't know if it's concentration, whatever that may be, but to like cancel those big, it's just one. But at the end of the day, it's one big error. So I just, I just wanted to throw it out there because I didn't want like, hey, I do say good things about Eddie Garcia (laughs) when I see him. Yeah,
0: well, I I do, I do wonder. Like in the last few weeks, I've been doing this with Arajo. Now has made two blunders that he did not make for the oh. first seven months of the year. Yeah. This one, including Ter and the communication issue. And we want him to be our communicative leader at the back. And he wasn't that again. And we're going to bring that, you know, I bring it up now, but that's because he's okay with the head injury. something that we didn't talk about. He closely. had two. He had two. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So, and like, and and so I, I, I've asked people like, so what if Eric Garcia made those mistakes? It's like, it's one of those things where like, imagine, and then the the mistake he made against Raul too, right? Like when he was dribble past for the face of the first time. Oh, yeah. And so, he
1: had, He's had quite a few, I agree.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a rough week. But also Barcelona came away with two wins from those games. Not only that, but Araujo also, you know, it's a net positive. Like he always doing so much more than the mistakes that he's made. And that's the argument with Garcia is, is Garcia for the mistakes he makes defensively Ever making up for that with all the exactly, you know, yeah. that they, they were to put it, what he puts in. So, yeah, I don't have anything else from Celta unless you do again. Ricky Poo's like, no, I, don't Hansu
1: Fatih, I, I'm a, I love yeah. Hansu. I I'm in love <laughs> I now that Halang is gone and I, I'll never think of Halan. Maybe if he executes that 150 million plus and ends up going to Barcelona down in the in three year span, but a pop but that's why I'm I'm done. I'm yeah. moving on. I want this <laughs> episode of the Barcelona podcast to be. My Rafa is letting go of Erling Haaland. It pains me. I suffered. I cried a little bit, but I'm letting go. And now Ansu is my main focus. And I just I love to see Ansu getting fitness back because if he stays healthy, I'm a firm believer that he's right there with Mbappe, Haaland, De Bruyne, like the next quote-unquote big generation. So,
0: Yeah, I I talked about the scoring rate on the earlier show in the week. His scoring rate is incredible it's impossible to possibly keep that up. But yes, Ansu, he was a golden boy for a reason two seasons ago. If healthy, that's that's a huge thing. Like, he probably won't be healthy. But if healthy, Ansu Fati is just as good as all the names you mentioned. Absolutely 100%. Do not get it mistaken that Erlen Holland played, uh, scored just 21 goals this year. So as much as everyone's going crazy about Holland, and also there's a stupid thing that everyone's like, oh, 55 million plus for Ferran Torres, and Holland went for just 60. That's not true at all because of the commissions. Like in, in total, Holland is going to cost Man City much, much closer to 130, 140, 150 million when all is said and done with commissions to his father to, to well, it was really, we uh, all passing. It'll be to the agency that we that, that all was a part of and takes and taken over as well as the commission for the signing as well and all the parties involved. But speaking of transfers and speaking of letting go, it is time I, I've, I was in, in the last five years, you know who I'm talking about? No, 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 no. We're not doing Frank the Young just yet. No, no, we're not doing Frankie the Young just yet. We're talking about another player that is definitely going to be the Premier League. Like, the, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the Premier League. Right. A little more smiles, a little a little lighter, a little more jovial. In the last five years that I've hosted this show, I have been so calculated in my negativity towards Felipe Coutinho. And he is the one player from anyone else that I think, to a point, I have been unjustly mean to and negative to. And I'm just so happy that he, not to, I, you know, I don't abuse him or anything like that. I just, he never fit. And from the very beginning, from that very first... I, I looked back on show number four. We talked about Liverpool's Felipe Coutinho, Francesca and I did. And I was like, I don't think he's going to fit. And then we did that for six months. I said, I don't think he's going to fit. And then we did a show about how, how he might be jammed as a square peg into a round hole at Barcelona. And I we, we went through the whole tactical breakdown. And I tried to go back to his Espanol time and his Inter Milan time. And I tried to just... Yeah, as every Barca fan would do, like, hey, this... This transfer cannot be this odious. There's no way that this transfer is so nonsensical that they would purchase a player that will absolutely not fit. And 106 appearances, 26 goals. I mean, they the website, that being FC Barcelona, even put 65 wins, 24 draws and 15 losses and two loan spells in, in his time at Barcelona. And if you're taking a left winger and a center, midf- or a center midfielder, whatever you want to call him, because again, I don't have a position at Barcelona. I can't tell you what it was. But if you have to tell like a manager what his wins, draws and losses were that he was involved in, that's, it did not go well. That is the that is the the easy answer. But he's now 29 years old. He was 24 when the saga began. He's now 29 years old, had four goals and three assists in 16 Premier League games, which is good under Steven Gerrard, who seems to like him. And I wish nothing and I say this sincerely. I wish nothing but the best for Felipe Coutinho, who now goes to Aston Villa for 20 million which believe it or not is about 15.5 million more than I thought the Barcelona were going to get for him when they sold him eventually and the club that being Barcelona has also inserted a 50% sell on clause for any future sell the player. And why that is important is because if Aston Villa is relegated, let's say in the next two years over the course of his, whatever new contract he signs with them or contract extension, then Barca will get 50% of whatever that reduced fee will be because if Aston Villa gets relegated, then Barca will be able to, you know, again, that does not really help Aston Villa because they'll be heading down and 50% of the sale for, him. but you know, you, you purchase Catino in the hopes that he helps you stay up. And I think he, listen, he's going to help them so much more <laughs> as a valuable piece. Sorry, Ralph, I had to do the Felipe Catino thing. I just felt there was, there's a peace, you know, there's, there's a piece that I, I feel a calm, even though there's just chaos still at Barcelona, at least Catino's not involved in the chaos anymore.
1: I'm, ha- I'm happy it's over. It feels like, uh, we say that in Spanish, gangrena, as it, in English, gangrene. Like when, like a, like your foot, like if you're hiking and it's really cold and you just got to like cut the, uh, the entire leg or something like that. I think yeah. it's called gangrene, like on your leg or whatever. It kind of feels like that. Like he was like slowly eating away Barcelona's body. And it was up to a point where, hey, we got to literally cut our entire leg in order to save the rest of the person. And I, it's, it's the biggest transfer in Barcelona's history. It's probably the worst transfer in Barcelona history because of the price and the and what is. he yeah, actually ended is. up doing. It is. Um, 100%. And it is. Yep. I, it just, I wanted it to, so that I was hopeful that it was kind of going to work in a way. Because of that, what ended up being the downfall, that he wasn't good at any specific, like, specific position, like, he wasn't an interior izquierdo, and he wasn't an extremo izquierdo, as a left winger, so he was none, and I thought maybe blindly, now now that I look at it, that that was maybe going to benefit, be polyvalent in that aspect. At the end of the day... Not only that, but what really bothered me about Coutinho during his spell at Barcelona, I mean, he's talented. Nobody can deny all the talent that Coutinho does have. Yeah. it's just that I I don't know if attitude is the right word, but that fighting spirit spirit that when things got rough, he didn't. It didn't seem like he had the attitude to put the team on his back. And be like, no, 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 like, we we may go down, or we, we may lose, but we're going to go down fighting. It just was like, when things went bad, he would just put his head down or inside like a turtle and hide. And that's what, like, damn, like, we're looking for for a Batman. Like, you're you're a Robin at best. And that's to put it lightly. I was going to say another, another Batman character. So it, it was disappointing to see how... Under pressure, like that Barcelona shirt, Xavi has said it numerous times in his press conferences. Barcelona shirt, Barcelona's kid weighs a ton. It's not made for everybody. You may be a great player, which Coutinho is. Let's not get it twisted. Technically, he's amazing. You may have been a great player at another great club like Liverpool, but Barcelona is completely different. It's not the same. And sadly. It, that's it's just it's it's ah, it just like s- summarizes sadly the whole Neymar saga and how that was the start of the end for that whole generation yeah we just we, well, we we not you and i barcelona's whole bartomeu the board took neymar's money invested it in coutinho and dembele but more coutinho and it was a complete disaster, and I'm just happy that it's over. It's 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 just time to move forward, and it it is what it. I, Kuma, I know i said that a lot. It is what it is. But now it's done and dusted. We got 20 million. I know there's gibberish like how like the financial books work and whatnot, and that accounts now before May and things like that. So let's just. Move forward because Coutinho literally is a thing of the past now. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I cannot believe that they got him. They've sent him on loan to Bayern Munich, and he scored two goals in that Champions League matchup against Bayern, I mean, against Barcelona. That is like the, a, fo- it, the it,
1: football it, gods incredibly. are full of irony and like to see people suffer in the most ironic way possible like
0: there there was like there was other players brought up like Hlelb from Belarus the Arsenal midfielder and the other ones that flopped even like Douglas obviously (laughs) Lord Douglas but those guys were not the transfers for those guys were just again not justifiable in the same realm yeah uh, Felipe Coutinho could never outrun his transfer number and the only the only This is just top of my head. So people definitely hit me up on Twitter or whatever with other great examples. But one of the ones that I think of with Coutinho is after the Neymar money came in and he was like the big, you know, the golden goose that that money was spent on. It kind of that by messing up that transfer and getting all of that, those funds wrong on the transfer market. I mean, yes, Dembele as well. But again, Dembele was in theory. I mean, we're seeing that now it took five years, but in theory it was a thing that made sense. So I I didn't yell about it then I'm I'm still not going to yell about now, but because Coutinho didn't, didn't make any sense at all. That set the club back. Like by by misusing those funds, it set the club back multiple years and the only other player, and he was actually in a big grouping and that being Mark Overmars, way back when Mark Overmars when he came in, it was a pretty inflated for the time. It was a pretty big number. And when he came in, it took a little bit for Barcelona. Like he did not fix the problems that he was supposed to. Like he wasn't even supposed to be the savior. He was supposed to be one of those players like Coutinho. That was a really great player. He's supposed to be a starting caliber player. You put him right in the starting 11th and he enhances you. He helps you get back to glory. He helps you put you back on that path. And Overmars never did that. He never, If I mean, he was just, it was an overflated number and it did not work. So again, there are definitely other numbers, but you know, really the whole idea of transfer numbers and and those huge, you know, sums that's the last, what, 10 years, you know what I mean? Like uh, even, even less than that, it, Neymar was the one who broke the whole market. But prior to that, you know, things were inflated and inflation and inflation, inflation works. And so many of the other really ones that didn't work out happened in the Premier League from 92, you know, when it became the Premier League from 92 through the nineties, when teams were really just going after guys with newfound money and the Liga with all the financial issues that Spanish football has had, even Barcelona and team in the Liga have not really had the opportunity to, we'll say, get it wrong so often. So like, I'm not saying that guys haven't flopped. I'm just saying like, for, for guys that Barcelona tried to a big transfer on and it, and it didn't, and it fell short. I mean, the other one example would be the swap between Eto and Ibrahimović. And because of Eto going the other way, that number wasn't what it could have been because, but also because of the era they were in, Barca won regardless, you know what I mean? Regardless of Ibrahimović, like it kept happening, but like, let's say Ibrahimović, you know, had derailed Barca in the way that he could have, and they wind up not winning any trophies the next season, where I mean that would have been a calamity. All right. Speaking of calamities, we're gonna hit some Frankie de Young talk right now, head into the rumor mill. If it was yesterday, Rafa, I would have started with this. Frankie de Young to Manchester United for 80 million euros. But Spanish journalists, Catalan journalists have really come out in full force and tried to quiet this a little bit. But yeah, let's let's talk about Frankie at Young now.
1: What can I say? I got it right here. Frankie Young, first jersey. Well, I think first year, second year, whatever that may be. Ah, This just seems whether, I mean, we don't know yet if it's going to end up happening or not, but it's it's, it's it's something that I don't think should surprise anybody because if there's one big name that's been thrown around during the past year and a half that Barcelona, if needed, would sell in order to make a profit, and fix in a way their financial issues, not completely, but again, in a way, it's Frankie the Young. So it when I heard the news, like I was literally watching like Gerard Romero's stream when he said it. So it didn't come me by surprise. Like it's like not the first time we've heard about it, but to see that it might be like, oh my god, like it might really happen now. That's what caught me off guard a little bit, especially that it needed to happen before June because then, then that money would count like in this year, for this year, that's financial reasons and all that, that I'm not going to get into right now. But at the end of the day, if it ends up happening, I think what will make this a good or bad deal is what Barcelona end up doing with that money and how they repurpose it And into what positions? Because if they use this money, what they what may count because that like Frankie De Jong still has like Barcelona still have to pay Ajax. I think some amount of the of the transfer uh, fee hasn't been been paid in full yet. But again, if if somehow Mateo Aleman turns Frankie De Jong into and not literally like turn him into but like Lewandowski or maybe a Jules a Koundé in some sort of way alongside more Barcelona players and whatnot, then I think it'll lessen the blow in a way because Frankie is still 24 years old. It's true that he hasn't adapted to the quote-unquote Barcelona way the way we thought he would have already. I think there's been reports that Xavi has been frustrated with Frankie because, again, we all know... The incredible amount of talent he has. He's a physical specimen as well. Literally, in my opinion, he is a way lesser version of Kevin De Bruyne. A really, really technical player and a real spec. Like physically, he's strong. He's fast. He's not the player Kevin De Bruyne is, of course, right now. But he has that potential, in my opinion. Whether he has that potential within Barcelona's playing style or in the Premier League, that's another discussion. And that's what's going to pay me if he ends up leaving because he might not have had the success we thought he would have in Barcelona because of the complexity of playing as an interior for Barcelona, which we have spoken numerous times. But I have zero doubt that in a specific context, in the Premier League, letting Frankie be Frankie, running like beautiful horse without any uh, like leashes and whatnot, just flowing his hair back and forth. I think Frankie will be amazing in the Premier League. And then- a
0: very erotic picture, Rafa. I know.
1: (laughs) He'll be really good in the Premier League where tactically, maybe he won't have those constraints anymore. And then we'll be- oh my God look like oh my God look what we gave away look the player but we gotta think would if Frankie ends up going to United or the Premier League in general and he ends up being amazing full, fulfilling his potential we gotta be really like like consider would Frankie had been this Frankie that we're seeing in the Premier League with the, that playing style in Barcelona's playing style. So I, I think, honestly, it's just a matter of, of, of waiting and just seeing if he does end up going, how we repurpose that money. Because if we end up using that money on, I don't know, I, Carlos Soler and not big, big names, I think that's going to like uh, pain a little bit more for Barcelona fans because if you let Frankie go, you're thinking, well, then we got to bring Lewandowski or a Jules or, or like a, a big name. But if we're going to like sign somebody that may end up being really good, that's why like I, I threw out Carlos Soler because he's not a big name. But if he ends up coming, he who knows if he ends up being a great player. So I don't want to like down on a player. I'm just saying like a, a name Barcelona fans need excitement. And if you're going to sell Frankie de Jong and you don't bring a big name, that fits obviously within Barcelona's style, then Laporta and Mateo are going to face, I think like, like it's going to be, they're going to face backlash from Barcelona fans if that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, Robert, you talked a lot about the sporting sense of it. And I think I'm going to be, I'm going to start with a really negative, like my my, my sense of, of why this should be as negative as it is or as cynical as it could be. And the boring part of this is that, I'm having a hard time thinking of this in a sporting sense because I, I think this is primarily a financial decision the club feels like they have to make if they're going to sell him to Manchester United. Uh, and again, he can also refuse to go. You know, Ten Hag and not playing in the Champions League, like that's enough for him to say no. And apparently Xavi has also not signed off on it. But the deal itself between the clubs might be 95%. But, you know, I, I think the only sporting thing here is that Pedri and Gabi with the picks over Frankie de Young for the interior spots for the future. And obviously that makes sense. But again, that's that has nothing to do with De young. I think De young would still want to fight for his spot and be competitive. But he loves living in in Barcelona. But to to look at the financial reasons for why this could happen, and even the distribution of funds, because the names there are Koulibaly, Lewandowski. Again, nobody like we'll say big like like the young players, sub twenty three superstars that we keep talking about, like our stars that we're talking about, like you were talking like the twenty seven to thirty six or whatever. Like it'll be a, a total of. You know, you're using this to pay for Asplaqueta's wages, plus whatever, like, and get Barcelona's transfer limit number, a wage number, still low enough that you can get everybody underneath and actually get players in there because even then it seems like Barcelona is still on borrowed time when it comes to January. That's what some of the rumblings I'm hearing is, is that the January guys, technically Barcelona is still fighting to get under the number that needs to get like without it would to, 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 not deal with a penalty next year from January. And so like, I'm, that's what I'm seeing for good reason. Like Sergio Roberto is getting these drive-by shots at, at Roberto, like, Oh, Man city is signing Erlen Holland and Barcelona renewing Sergio Roberto. But uh, a few things here and a few things that also, I think make a little bit of sense. Like I've said before, you need to get Roberto's renewal done now before January 30th to get Gabi's deal done now. Again, that still continues to make sense. The timing of that is really important. All of these things need to be done by June 30th to put them on this finan- this fiscal year's balance and not the next one. Just like what Laporta tried to do even last, last season, where he tried to take the biggest losses then and not later, so the wage limit will rise later and improve. So even it's, if, if Barcelona really Are continuing to be in that financial dire mess, they're again hedging their bet that they're going to reinforce in January because that might be their only option. That they have to get, you know, it might be another tough summer. It might be, it might be a rough summer for Barca again, and looking ahead to next January and looking ahead to next summer. And that's how you get out of a problem. And we were warned this is a multi-season problem. You know, just because they lost Messi wasn't the end of that story. And and there was warnings that there was more coming on the horizon again. It's 140 million euros. Of, of not even debt, but to get under that wage limit. And the, another question too about where that money goes, like what if De Young has to be moved to make Dembele's renewal possible? That was one of the questions I asked. And at this point, again, we only saw a taste of Ansu and Dembele, but would I trade De Young for what we're seeing of, De, of Dembele? I think you have to, because Frankie is a really, really good player. And he's a high level player that it just eats up minutes especially in that Barcelona midfield and does a great job uh, at figuring out what he is. And now I'm talking about the sporting thing a little bit, but if you have to decide between what you can get from Dembele, he just wins you games. Like again, like single handedly against Alta Vigo. Yeah. Everyone played a part, but Dembele just one V one took a guy on and Barca won a match. They shouldn't have where they didn't bring their best. They were kind of limping and they still got a, a, a result in the Liga. You know, and that's because of Dembele. Like that's what he does. In the same argument that I put him in the same categories, onto and Pedri. Like I'm sorry, like I, I I'm not overrating him, but he, what he is is a guy who just wins matches with the ball at his feet, just like Pedri, just like Antu. There's these moments. There's a blink, you blink, and it happens. And De Young doesn't have that ability to kind of just win a match with a moment, with sheer force of will. He's also a different player. And from the sporting perspective, that kind of is what frustrates me. That as I I tweeted yesterday, the first thing I thought was we never got to see De Young at the pivot for any extended amount of time. Now he had three years. So people are saying, oh, look what he did in three years. He doesn't deserve a fourth. And this whole thing was that eventually, right? Eventually Shabby, eventually somebody sees him as the pivot, as that player that's going to dribble forward, maraud forward, use his defensive acumen. We're never going to see that Frankie de Young, because even at Ajax, he didn't really do that. He has a double pivot with Shona, who kind of protected him a bit. But anyway, we're not going to ever see him at a pivot. And yet Frankie de Young, for 75 million euros will have come and gone with no succession plan for Busquets. And like in my brain, I cannot make that make sense where, right. You got through the, the whole Frank de Young era is come and gone and still Busi remains. And it's not that Busi done anything wrong. It's that even with the transfers coming in, like Kessier is not a replacement for Busquets. I, I talked to the Milan guys. He is an interior. That's what it is. And I think there's a lot of pressure right now being put on Nico. To be in a double pivot potentially. Because again, with Pablo Torre, who I don't want to overrate him, but Pablo Torre is a very, very good teenager, another very, very good teenager. He might flop, he may not be ready for the moment, but I'm telling you from the responsibility that he takes on uh, for racing Santander, he is their best player. He very much alone puts that team forward into promotion to the second division. Pablo Torre is just like Pedri and Gabi. I think he's just, a, I mean, he's 19, so he's a little bit older even. So he's ready, I think, to step in. Maybe not even year one, but maybe it's Barca B plus. You know what I mean? We get a taste of him a little bit and we get it, but there's a lot on Nico then moving forward. And, and there was a there's a report that came out today. He might even go on loan or the club might even choose to sell him with a buyback. And that information is, is antithetical to the idea that somebody is, as in Nico, is going to be the long-term pivot to replace Busquets. I just, I don't know what is planning at that position and it's terrifying.
1: But I want, I want to ask you about this real quick because I, I agree. Maybe like, if we're, we're looking at this like in black and white, there's a quote-unquote overbooking of the interior role. Gabi, right. Pedri, uh, Pablo Torre coming in, Kessie coming in. Um, Ceddi Roberto's is still going to be in the team, uh, whatever that may be, to whatever role he plays. And, and Nico uh, played interior, Nico too. Nico played interior, too. He wasn't a
0: pivot. He was an Except,
1: interior. That's about five, six players. So there's clearly an overbooking that you – you might say, well, we are kind of covered that we can let Frankie go in a way and we, we right. still have a bunch of interiors. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that maybe that's what not Xavi necessarily, but La Porta Mateo and all the, the, the directors seem like, hey, like you said, we still don't have a quote unquote successor for Busquets. Whoever he ends up being. It's not gonna b- live up to Busquets' standard. That's obvious, but and probably not even come close. But at least like something that might resemble, at least playing style wise, what Busquets is. Don't you think that maybe this could be like, hey, let's cut our losses with Frankie because we are covered as an with the interiores, and let's just try and maybe whether they're right or wrong, they don't think Frankie would ever excel as a long pivot yeah, and I mean, then try and like repurpose that. Who that might be? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't heard any rumblings and whatnot. I, I mean, Sui Mendy was mentioned a while ago. Uh, I know the big things like Chouameni that's not going to happen because of what Monaco, what oh, you, what
0: you just said, saying, like the, the big young stars. Make <laughs> it happen. Make it happen. I mean, I, don't I push know. back a little on the overbooking though, because you could have said that the forward line is overbooked. That's why Adama Traore doesn't get any minutes. That's why Luke Young and Martin Brothwaite, you know, Luke Young has his role, but Brothwaite doesn't see the field at all, even when he came back healthy. You could say those things are overbooked, but in the same way in that midfield, like that midfield is limping. In, like, I mean, that midfield played with two midfielders. Frank and Young was one of them, plus Gabi. So even if Kessier arrives and Pablo Torre maybe or maybe isn't ready, like even if Kessier arrives, that means he's that third midfielder then when Busquets inevitably gets suspension because Busquets, he got yellows this year. He's going to get suspended. He does get suspended every like like seventh match, he gets suspended because he just picks up those yellows in transition. And you think a year older Bruce Kets is going to get less yellows in transition. I don't think so. And then the same thing, if Pedri continues to be as injury plague as he is now, what every seventh game you're missing two of your three starters. And now all of a sudden it's Kessie, it's Gabi. and you hope you didn't put Nico out on loan because he wants more minutes. Right. And it's like, I'm just saying like about the overbooking, like These squads that compete across everything and for Xavi to push for second to be a part of the Spanish, I mean, uh, of the Super Cup, you need a deep squad. Like you need to be six deep at midfield in the best of it. And, you know, so immediately my thought too is like, yeah, Pablo Torre is supposed to be the young, the Barca B midfielder that's going to get, start to get moved in, right? But then beneath that, like I'm trying to look at that midfield for Barca B and Oriana, uh, Andre Oriana was supposed to be the next guy. And then, you know, there are some other kids, right? There's Alex Gardito, there's, like, but that's what I'm already looking at. I'm saying is shopping going to get to a point next season where three of those midfields that we're mentioning are all out injured and he's got to hit the panic button. Right. And then all of a sudden you've got Eric Garcia at the pivot spot. You're know, like, what is happening right now? Uh, and like, and those things not to say that Eric Garcia won't be, I know people have fun with that and people a lot suggest about the pivot thing, but I always defend Eric Garcia. I worried about him as a pivot. I just, I'm, I'm throwing that out there. Like, I, I don't want to pick, I don't want to take too much time thinking about that, but Everything he does well, I don't, I, and every, I, let me reverse that. Everything he does poorly, I can see being greatly exposed <laughs> at a different position. And so I just, I don't want to think about that right now. Like I'll consider it if Xavi does, cause I trust Xavi. But I, I mean, I think the last question for you, Rafa, is that if this is it for De Young, how will we remember his time at Barcelona? Because I, I think you and I have been, I say much more kind to him. I don't think I've ever gone full blown, like even in the times when he didn't do well and things weren't working I always think it was more of a structural thing. And I always thought there was things to fix. Like I felt like at his worst, it was a spacing with Busquets. And to me, his problems always just seems to be instructional, like from the manager, like this was the manager is trying to do. And we saw these improvements under Xavi already about one touch passing a little bit quicker, his spacing with Busquets. And and I, I there were moments under Xavi when it started to make sense. And I think if you hear that Xavi doesn't want him to leave, it again goes back to my thing about the finances. I can see the club basically saying, we are going to sell you, like, can we sell you please for 80 million euros and Xavi still not signing off on it. And that, and both of those things being true because I can see how Xavi sees this player, sees his quality and says, I know how I'm going to make this work. Even next to Busquets, there are moments and we need to just make those moments all the time. Can that happen? I mean, that's what most people say, right? Inconsistency is how we'll remember his time at Barcelona. But I disagree with that. I think we are going to remember him as a good player in a rough time for the club when there was clubs going through a lot of transition and a lot was on his shoulders.
1: I, I think it's a mixture of both. And then like real quick with the, the Shabby thing, I think it, he might. And I, I think, I don't think he wants to part ways with Frankie, but at the end of the the day due to the dire economical situation, La Porta, Mateo and company might go to Shabby like, Hey, I know you don't want to like, Sell Gabi, but you also want like eight new players because you need a left back and a right back, a center back, and this and that. And like the only way we might be able to kind of do that is we got to sell him. So you got to pick your poison. Do you want Frankie? But then we can't give you a left back, a right back, a center mid, and this and that. So it's kind of like La Porta and uh. And Mateo going up to Xavi, you got to pick a pill like the Matrix, the red or the blue. Yeah, it it, it is what it is, sadly. And I think Xavi during his last press conference, he was so like his joy was taken out of him because I think he kind of knew that. Damn, like I'm going to have to sign off on something that I don't necessarily want to because of all the needs of this team. So he just like the joy that he came in and positivity. Now it's like, you see him as like a Dementor in Harry Potter suck the life out of him. Yeah. Um, so, and then going back to Frankie, I, I, the thing is, I think it can be everything that you said can be, it's like a little bit of everything with Frankie. Yeah. It is true. He came in during one of, if not the worst eras of Barcelona's recent history, without a doubt. Uh, the Has he been inconsistent? What, A lot of people say that you don't necessarily agree with. I think he kind of has been to a certain extent because of it. I think it's we're prisoners of expectations. And when Frankie came in, I think the majority of Barcelona fans were glad that he came in. at such a young age, even the transfer fee given how crazy the transfer fees had been for the most part, wasn't that crazy given the context. So. I think there was a certain, like, unity between everybody and that span, like, hey, Frankie is really good. He's going to be the guy that leads the way in Barcelona's midfield for the next 10 years. So I think, honestly, my comparison, it's kind of like a romantic comedy in a way that it's like the, the couple was just, wasn't just meant to be. And they part ways. They cry together. And then they wish the best for, hey, I wish you nothing but the best. And then you see the other person getting married, having kids, and you're like, it hurts you. But at the same time, you know that it it wasn't going to work out with that person. So I think to me, that's if that does end up happening,
0: that's how I will remember Frankie, what could have been. Didn't he finish second or like as the second or third top midfielder in the Ballon d'Or voting from his, from that semi final Champions League performance at Ajax? Like when they went to the semifinal, I remember him being a, a high, high selection in the Ballon d'Or voting that year, uh, the, the year when he came to Barcelona, right? Like that's, I was on the back of the expectations of being that midfielder. And that's true. Like for 75 million euros, there was an expectation that he was going to be a top five midfielder in the world. And now that he has been outpaced by Pedri, the potential of Gabi at 17 certainly has outpaced what De Jong in his prime. You know, and that's a big question too about Barca. How many players do they have in their prime? Really, it's just Frankie de Jong and Dembele in that age group. The rest are still approaching it, and the others are obviously on the other side of it. And it, it's to, to wrap it all up. There is credence to those Dest rumors too, because it's the same thing. The Dest as a valuable asset. Like very few players on the team are untouchable. That just being onto Pedri, Gabi, if he renews, and Araujo. And so Dest, he's going to be sold for players that are not as good. And I, that is another thing about the Frank de Jong thing. Like even though we can find some logical reason as to why Barcelona needs to sell him for the market value that he's at. Because again, if he's 25 next summer and has like a similar season and it doesn't work out again, and Barcelona didn't reinforce in other positions with it, then his market value goes down. So yes, from a business perspective, now would be the moment you've got to, you've got to sell him when, when the iron's hot. I get that. But in the same regard, like we can look around world football and admit that there's a good chance that yes, there are other players in the team that could step up in those spots. Mitchell's a good position for Barca because they got very fortunate with transfers. Again, that's why I have a lot of faith in the Popovich one as well. But like, if you're looking to bring in, as you mentioned, Carlos Soler or Fabian Ruiz, like those are just lesser versions. Well, Carlos Soler is a little different of a player. He might actually fit. He might fit in Xavi's system really, really well. But like Fabian Ruiz, to me, is like for like, it's just a worse version of Frankie De Young. And the club has been interested in him quite some time, but I, I literally just see when I watch him play, Frankie the Young. Except he just doesn't have the exact same dynamism that the Young has. He just happens to be Spanish, right? <laughs> that's what he has, and I don't know how, how far that goes for for winning trophies, right? So anything you get in his stead is not going to be as good. And again, to the Des point, if Des is sold for 20 million, that means whatever right back option they bring in, again, mostly most likely Aspasqueta, is because he's coming on a free transfer, and that's a stopgap solution. And it goes to the fact that if De Young is sold, and I, I do go back to this if De Young is sold, that is terrifying to me because it is an admittance by the club that the financial problems that we were not even promised, but like Messi was supposed to be the great sacrifice. And then the free transfers were supposed to be the right decision. Two, two, two transfer windows, summer for Memphis and the and the and January, like those sacrifices and those calculations, Eric Garcia coming in on the free, like they were all supposed to be to help get Barcelona back. And we also warned that this might be continuing. And so Frank Frankie Young is sold, to me that says that any expectation you have of some big player coming, it's going to have to be who you think. Those free agent, those stop gaps players who are much older, likely players in their thirties. And then maybe, yeah, Koulibaly might be the answer for 25 to 30 million. And then all of a sudden you're putting a lot more on Koulibaly to be the savior. Especially if it's 25 to 30 and that's the club has 40 to spend. And then now you have to decide between Koulibaly and Grimaldo to be, you know, to you grab a backup left back or you go another year with Alba and just make it work because Alba has made it work for one whole season without a backup. There's no backup left back all season long. And Barca just made it work. So they're going to just try to do it again and say, hey, you know, we're struggling financially. That's why we had sell sell frankly young. So we just, we don't have it. Like you have to just, you want to reinforce the center back spot. then that's what they're going to do with Bali. And there might be not be enough funds. And like, and th- those are the kind of sacrifices that I'm considering. That I'm saying like, when you're looking at the transfers, yeah, like, of course, I'd love to make a bunch of videos about, and I already did this, but I'd love to make a bunch of like, you know, guys, I'm, I already did this, guys I'm looking at, you know, players that you're considering. or And then for the, the report that came out about Ruben Neves, Chumeni, and Zubamendi from Real Sociedad. Those are the picks for to replace Busquets, right? And that one went viral last week. People went crazy and excited. Of course, I I was one of the first to Zubamendi. I'm patting myself on the back. I mentioned him, like, before he was even breaking in, when he was fighting for time against Guevara. And Guevara of Real Sociedad. Like, I said, Zubamendi, there was something good about him. And he's now entering his prime. He's good. You know, I don't know. He's not crazy good. People are going to be disappointed. I just want one warn Kool-Aids, but I think he's good. I think he's a nice rotation piece, especially he can play the pivot in a solo position. I've said what I think of Shua money before and Ruben Neves is also be, you know, a, a pretty good piece in, but all three of those guys are impossible. If, especially if you're selling Frank Young. like if you're selling Frank Young, there's no, like there's no midfielder coming for 40 or 60 million. So I just, I, I think it's either he is here and the club can maybe do some moves financially or he's gone. And I think that's even more restrictive to what they can do. I finally got to my point. My wife always well, gets to I me mean, that I don't get to my point for a while. I so
1: agree.
0: So I agree, agree in the midfield. Because
1: Kessie's coming in and uh, He's not a pivot. He's going to play as an interior. But I, I honestly, if, if we are selling Franken, this does end up happening. And then on top of that, I also read like the Dest rumors and whatnot. And I didn't know that like Monchi apparently was asking about Dest during the last January transfer window and whatnot. And I don't know what what could be the big spending Barcelona make this summer, if at all, if they do end up making one, because apart from the free transfer, Casey Christensen, Aspilicueta, Marcos Alonso, if he ends up coming, like apart from the free ones, if Barcelona are able to manage one, not, I mean, two would be a mayor, like hallelujah, hallelujah but maybe one, then what would that be? Around the 40, 45-ish million uh, transfer fee uh, number, then what, what would that be? Lewandowski, if Bayern end up selling him? Uh, or maybe you're able to, like, uh, Kulivali, or maybe with Sevilla, you're able to somehow throw in Dest plus 40 million for Kunde if he doesn't end up going to Chelsea, like whatever the hell ends up happening. I think there's only one option. I mean, there's only Barcelona will only have one option of like making a quote unquote, big spending big splash, whether that's at the back or at the front. I don't think the big splash, if it ends up happening, like you said, will be in the midfield. So, At the end of the day, I just want to go back to what I said at first to close things out. The whole Frankie the Young thing, if it ends up happening, him going to Manchester, I think will be tied up with whether Barcelona are able able to get a Lewandowski or a Jules Koundé with Dest and JV Java, 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 because I don't think Koulibaly, who, if he ends up coming, I think would be a really good player and an upgrade, defensively speaking, but I don't think that would be a big, big name that would satisfy the the need for Barcelona fans. That would either be a thirty-four-year-old oh, Lewandowski yeah. because he is freaking Robert Lewandowski, and people will forget about his age, or a jules Kounde because you would think, oh my god, young, he's great, fast, defensively speaking, he can play as a right back if needed as well, like. I think it would take a, either a Jules Koundé at the back or 11 Lewandowski up front to be like, well, it was quote-unquote worth it getting rid of Frankie.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't mean to drink the Kool-Aid that the club is putting out, but the most important things the club did was renewing Anto, renewing Pedri, renewing Araujo, and then yeah. the next most important thing to do is renew Gabi. And again, if that means sacrificing yourself for another year you Sergio Roberto... And having him just paying for him to watch, game, I mean, also paying him a lot less to watch games in the stands this year, then you have to do that. And then, and then that, that was the thing that, that mattered. So like, yes, new players are what excite you, because if you because it's always a logic, right? Like how can with the players you have now, why aren't you winning trophies of the players you have now? Like how are those players going to be the ones moving forward? right? Don't you need new players? Do not you need other players to help the players who are currently there, who couldn't win trophies, who just finished second, who were eliminated from the Europa League? Don't those players need to help? But, you know, we keep going back to it. And, you know, uh, Rafa, you were right from the start that Ansu being healthy and returning for a full season next year changes Barcelona's trophy hopes, whether it's champions league, whether it's, I mean, even advancing from the champions league group stage and the Liga, Copa del Rey, Super, whatever if you really care about the Spanish Super Cup that much like sure like but whatever trophies that you're going for a full healthy year of both Ansu and Pedri do I think more we're winning
1: food. the league I just want to say like if Ansu <laughs> like we if they stay healthy with that Aujo yeah. we're winning the league next season that's how I completely agree my bad yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you but I just want to say that that's how um that's how much impactful they are and it's like oh no wonder like if you take Benzema and Benicio's out of Madrid and Courtois, their three best players, they're not probably not winning the league. it, it, no, what it is what it is. If you if you take away the two three best players of any team, their title hopes, whatever that league cup, yep. Champions League, whatever it may be, they go down the drain, and that's what happened to yeah. us.
0: And it's and it's that that thing where how can your top two most important players be 19 years old, but they are. They and are. like it's it's but it's not It's also not a bad thing because these are like. Prodigious talents, And they also get older every year in a good way and a bad way because they continue to be older and injured and that continues to be a problem. So yeah, I, I think those two returning healthy and if those two play 50 games apiece next season, that is more impactful than any, any player that's going to show up with I think, honestly, the exception of Lewandowski. The guy scored 34 goals this year. Like, I don't care how old he is. Like, the guy (laughs) scored 34 goals. And if you can afford him, he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. And he's a stopgap. He doesn't solve any problems for the future. But also, like, if he allows Ansu to not have to feel like, you know, the number 10, like, to be the guy... And, and Lewandowski just bangs in 30 goals for Barcelona and yeah, that they win the Liga. Like that's, that's, that's the simple formula there. <laughs> that's I, good. That's good ball. with yeah. me. Good with me. So, all right. Good with us. We've gone over an hour here. So thanks so much for everyone who stuck, us, uh, stuck with us. Yeah, it went longer than I thought, but to Frankie de Jong, it, 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 it's, it's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot of questions to be answered, whether not only if he's going to stay at the club, but what that will mean, to the club moving forward and what that sale means in total. So I think we answered that pretty well, Rafa. Remember, you can follow Rafa on Instagram, also in uh, and Twitter and messgate one podcast is where he does all his stuff and the press conferences might be ending soon, but yeah, I know, but Xavi has been, he's been a good one for us. He's been, a, he's had some good ones. So uh, we are also on Twitter and Instagram too, at the Barcelona pod, our close Facebook group, the Barcelona podcast, Patreon, same thing, the Barcelona podcast, YouTube, match reviews are also coming to the end, but I also have a few things cooking that I, I plan to unveil when the season ends. So that'll be a little more history stuff, a little stuff that uh, we don't usually get to. Again, that's where I shine the off-season, the Barcelona podcast over there. And then our store, that's in the show notes as well, the Barcelona podcast. So I will be debuting, not debuting, but you can look at what the merch is, but I, I did order more merch. So it'll be coming to me soon. So I'll be able to show everybody uh, what, what they what they can uh, order and what they can look at. So thanks so much also to those who have purchased uh, and have equipped themselves. So again, I want to remind you, tag yourself, tag us, so that I can uh, say a thank you publicly on social media if you uh, when when you get your stuff. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And course the barça.